we got another day of NBA action. And with FanDuel, every night is a watch party. So it's time for your FanDuel crew to make their bets. So, what's the move tonight, gang? You know that new customers who bet $5 get $200 back in bonus bets if you win. Woohoo! We're heating up, fam. Bet all the stars with all your friends and make every moment more only on FanDuel. New customers bet $5, get $200 back in bonus bets if you win. Make every moment more with FanDuel. It goes down in the dim. It go down. It go down in the dim. 21 plus and present in Virginia. First online real money wager only. $10 first deposit required. Bonus issued is non-withdrawable bonus vest that expires seven days after receipt. See full terms at FanDuel.com slash sportsbook. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Coming up on today's show, uh, Microsoft bought Bethesda. Oh my gosh, the story is giant. Let's get into it. What's good, everybody, and welcome to another episode of What's Good Games Live. You are source for video game news, commentary, analysis, and funny stuff every morning right here at twitch.tv slash what's good games. I'm Andrea Renee, joined by Miss Brittany Brombacher. Hello, it's me. Hi, Britt. Hi. It's been a quiet morning. Oh, yeah. Definitely nothing happening today in the news. Very cricket-like. Very, very silent. You know, I wish something big would happen, but it's okay. We can just talk about the Seahawks for now, I suppose. You guys have been having a pretty good season so far this year. Hey, man, 2-0. I mean, uh, I'm impressed. It. Russell Wilson looks real good. Real, real good. I think all the analysis are calling the deep ball-throwing god, which I, I just giggle whenever. I can't help it. You know, between is balls it just the word and ball? is that tight it? ends and oh yeah, just all the words just make me laugh so hard. But no, we looked really good last night and I am so happy we beat the Patriots because everyone loves to keep playing that Super Bowl recap where we lost in the last minute and no offense. I don't like Cam Newton very much. I think he's very arrogant and cocky. So go Hawks. Yeah, um, we just won't talk about my Vikings, but uh, I still love watching football. Yay. It's a thing Yay. that we both share together. But sadly, we won't be able to go to a game together this year. But we're not here to talk about football. We're here to talk about video games. And we have some incredible news to get to in just a few minutes, which is going to dominate the episode today, which I'm sure you guys are all anticipating. But we do have a couple of quick announcements that I want to go over. Last week, we had a bunch of streams, one of which was our RTX at home panel that we did with the fun folks at Rooster Teeth. We had Autumn from Inside Gaming, uh, Brandon Bloodworth from Easy Allies, Blessing from Kinda Funny was there. And we finally got to announce the date that you can now watch What's Good Games at RoosterTeeth.com. That's right, starting October 5th. If you are somebody who enjoys visiting Rooster Teeth and all of their content, you can now find What's Good Games there. And we're very excited about it. Yay! Also, Ooh, I see people coming hey, after me because they like Cam Newton. Maybe he's a nice guy, IRL. I don't know him that well. I don't know him at all, actually. All I know is he's very cocky on the field. That's all. And unless, yeah. it's, unless it's your own players being cocky on the field, you don't like him. You know, you like it when your own players are out there. But if it's anyone else, you don't like him. I digress. Sorry. We're back to video games now. <laughs> It's all good, Britt. And you guys know that I've been streaming Wednesday afternoons for uh, a little while now, but I have now decided to move that stream to Thursday evenings to a happy hour type stream instead because we were noticing that not as many people were able to participate because of the time of day that was. And so it's going to be a variety stream. I'm going to kind of 
hot swap between games, whatever I'm feeling like on Thursdays, but Mondays starting tonight oh. through Halloween has become our official lights off stream. And I tested out the infrared camera. And everything's looking pretty good, Britt. Oh, it's going to be great. Our first game, friends, is going to be a game called Pacify. And this is, I just got it. It's one sentence. I got to read it. There's reportedly an evil inside the house. Something about an old funeral parlor offering a last chance to talk to their dead loved ones. Plus something about lights, laughter, a girl, missing people, etc. You know, the stuff everyone claims. Take a team and check the place out. So Andrea and I get to play this together. We're going to play it co-op and we're going to go explore a spooky house. It's going to be fantastic. Yeah. I'm I'm super pumped that we are finally making this happen. Um, what I really like also is that um, there's a lot of people that watch What's Good Games that maybe have never seen Lights Off before. Oh, yeah. So what I thought might be fun, Brit, is maybe we could show our old trailer. What do you think about oh that? Oh, my God, yes. It's so good. Yes. Okay. So I am going to get this trailer rolling. <laughs> <laughs> oh boy oh boy oh it's gonna um, be so good <laughs> so for people who aren't familiar with this show and for audio listeners i do encourage you to check out the trailer we have it on our twitter we have it on our youtube page we originally did this as part of the launch of facebook watch a facebook couple of watch. years back and we've been wanting to bring it back and we just haven't really quite found the right time and we said you know what let's bring it back in a new way let's do spooky streams and so our goal is to hopefully cut these down and make them into YouTube videos very similar to the episodes that were in the original series. But we're starting with streams because we love the idea of interactivity. And there's actually quite a few games that have things that you can do to influence what's happening. So more on that later. But Brittany was mentioning the first game that we're going to play. Yeah, Pacify. It's going to be great. It's going to be yeah, great. Yeah, I'm... Um I'm very excited I've always about wanted to explore a haunted house with you, Andrea, and I feel like this is the closest we're going to get. It's going to be <gasps> awesome. Well, like a real haunted house, yes, but we did get to do Halloween Horror Nights last year. Oh, yeah, we did. That was a good time. With one Alana Pierce, in fact. Yeah, and Steimer hung in there for a few of the houses, too. Proud of her. She she did real good. Yeah. She didn't want to go at all, and we forced her into her. Like, Steimer, just team building. It'll be fine. Yeah, we she learned to trust each other a lot that night, you know? Had each other's backs. Yeah. Yeah. It's true. Mm-hmm. All right, well, without further ado, let's get into the news. So, Brittany, there was just a small announcement this morning where Microsoft revealed that they have acquired Zenimax Media for the low bargain price. 
of $7.5 billion. I feel like, yeah, this is the point where you put your fucking pinky up to your mouth and you Dr. Evil this shit because there's never been a more appropriate time than now. So here you go. I'm going to do this Absolutely. The whole time. Yeah, you just keep your pinky up. The critically acclaimed creators of The Elder Scrolls, Fallout, Wolfenstein, Doom, Dishonored, Quake, Starfield, and more join Team Xbox. Of course, we are talking about Bethesda Softworks. ZeniMax Media is their parent company. Two, wait, 2,300 people worldwide make up some of the most accomplished creative studios in our industry, writes Phil Spencer in a statement on Xbox.com. Across Bethesda Softworks, Bethesda Game Studios, id Software, ZeniMax Online, Arcane Machine Games, Tango, Alpha Dog, and Roundhouse Studios. These are the teams responsible for franchises like The Elder Scrolls, Fallout, Wolfenstein, Doom, Dishonored, Prey, Quake, the upcoming Starfield, and many more. They will be adding Bethesda's iconic franchises to Xbox Game Pass for console and PC. Now, there was a couple of different statements that happened this morning, and I'm just going to read a little bit more of Phil's, and then we'll look at Pete Hines, and then we'll look at Todd Howard's as well. Over the last few weeks, we've been excited to share more detail on important elements of a plan we've been building towards for years, a plan that is the fulfillment of a promise to you, the Xbox player, to deliver the most performant, immersive, and compatible next-gen gaming experiences and the freedom to block to play blockbuster games with your friends anytime, anywhere. Today is a landmark step in our journey together, and I'm incredibly energized by what this step means for Xbox. And then the um, CEO of Microsoft at large, Satya Nadella, tweeted, Three billion people look to gaming for entertainment, community, and achievement, and our ambition is to empower each of them wherever they play. Today is a step forward on that journey as we welcome the beloved studios and franchises of Bethesda to Xbox, which is wild to think that three billion people around the world play games. Yeah. That's pretty cool. Billion. Gaming is everywhere. It's now. everywhere. It's everywhere. And then we had two statements from the folks on the Bethesda side. Pete Hines, the SVP of Global Marketing and Communications. We love Pete Hines. He is absolutely awesome. He had a very long post, so I just cut a little snippet down where he says, we have a long history of working with Microsoft. Our companies share many of the same basic principles. We believe in a culture that values passion, quality, collaboration, and innovation. When I think back to the first time we decided to shift from being a PC-only developer and make Morrowind for the original Xbox, it was a move that countless people said would never work. Nobody on consoles wanted a game that big and complex, but Microsoft believed in us and so did you, and now RPGs of all shapes and sizes are hugely successful on consoles. And soon the conversation will move on from this deal to talking about our games again. And I can get back to answering the questions that get us all excited. Tell me more about Deathloop. When can I see more Ghostwire? What's coming in Q4 for the Elder Scrolls Online? I want to see more of the Doom Eternal DLC. When the hell will you tell me about <laughs> Starfield? See, Pete knows. He knows. I'm excited for those conversations and look forward to talking to you all about that and much, much more in the weeks, months, and years ahead. And then Todd Howard also had a very lengthy statement, which I'm not reading the entirety <laughs> of, just a, a little snippet. He references the PC beginnings of Bethesda as well, also mentions Morrowind on Xbox, and then says, I was dubious Xbox Morrowind would be worth the time, somewhat on a technical level, but more so from taking a hardcore RPG and moving it from a PC desktop experience to a controller and sofa experience. If we made it work, would people want it? 
Microsoft and their new Xbox crew had a view that I came to share completely. Shouldn't we allow anyone to have this experience? Why does it matter where the screen is or what the controller is? There are many people without the same access and we can bring it to them, which I loved. So there is a ton of questions about what's happening with this, but Brittany, yeah, what was your what was your immediate reaction? Oh Lord, have mercy. Okay, yeah. So I um found the article in IGN this morning, and I think I shrieked like a banshee, and no one heard me. Sadly, actually, it's probably a good thing, but no, I mean, I think it's just a lot of shock. A lot of like, okay, this isn't a move that I would expect Microsoft to make, especially since they've been kind of talking about how exclusives and not really a priority or whatnot, or, you know, they're not trying to sell all the consoles or trying to market people in the ecosystem. Anyway, that's like how I feel like Microsoft has presented their case going into this next generation. So for them to acquire fucking ZeniMax of all, of all publishers is a huge deal. And yeah, I think now it's just a lot of questions as of what does this mean for the future of these games? What's going to be exclusive? What's not going to be exclusive? How is Bethesda? Because there's so many ways that Microsoft can tackle this, right? How are they going to position themselves business-wise to sell these games? There's a lot. It's a lot, D'Andrea. <clears throat> Sorry, I had like a little cough happening. Um, oh, good job. You did good. Yes, I think that there's a ton of people that have these same questions as well. And I think what's really interesting is that they tried to get out ahead of some of these, right? So the Deathloop and Tokyo Ghostwire questions were very valid, right? Because mm -hmm. PlayStation made a very big deal that these were going to be console exclusives. And then there was that little snafu with, is it coming to PC? Is it not? Is it a timed exclusive? And now we have the definitive answer that, yes, it's a timed exclusive. It will be coming to PC and Xbox eventually. Mm -hmm. We don't know how long that exclusivity period is, but I really do feel like this is kind of kicking PlayStation's knees a little bit. You know what I mean? When you like kick someone in the back of the knees and they're like, Ugh, they stumble a little bit. <laughs> they stumble a bit, yeah. Me, um, um, I kind of feel like that's what, what Microsoft is doing to PlayStation in this moment. I think the green eyes of my Seahawks sweatshirts are chroma keyed out. It's hilarious. I'm like, what is happening over here? Oh, you know why? Because I think I still have the, I think I still have the filter. I think I still have the filter on. Let me take that off. There oh, we go. That was kind of funny. Um, but no, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I'm totally with you. So we got a lot of questions on DRWGG. And the number one question we got was essentially what's going to be exclusive here and what's not. And I think the number one, we'll, st we'll take uh, this question from Emmett Watkins Jr. here. What franchises do you think will be exclusive in the future? My bet is megatons like Fallout and Elder Scrolls will be put everywhere while niche games like Wolfenstein and Dishonored stay on Xbox. Thanks for reading. Hope you all have a great day. So this leads into the question as to, like I was saying earlier, what does Bethesda do with these? I feel like they have a lot of options. The first option I see is they keep their games exclusive. 100% exclusive. And they launch day and day on Xbox Game Pass. And that would drum up... <laughs> so much interest into the Xbox ecosystem and grow it, right? So I see that as one option. Another option is timed exclusivity. We see this a lot in the industry. You want Elder Scrolls 6 or Starfield? Well, I guess Starfield or both. Um, you can get it on Xbox or on Game Pass where you can play on PC or whatnot for the first six months to 12 months. Cool. Or you can wait. Or I see you just pick and choose like Emmett is suggesting what franchises go where. Um, or you release them everywhere. So, Andrew, do you have, like, a gut feeling? What would you do? 
I think that they keep all of Bethesda's games multi-platform, much like Minecraft is still multi-platform. Okay. Bethesda has too long of a history in the gaming community and gaming culture for them to gatekeep that way. I think it would be an incredibly stupid move of Microsoft to do that. I think it would sow a lot of anger in Bethesda's communities, particularly knowing how rich their PC history is. Um, not to say that you can't obviously play those games on PC because you can, but I just, I don't know why they would want to exclude PlayStation players that way, especially also let's not figure out about Nintendo, Bethesda has been bringing their games to switch recently. So I think that's something to consider as well. I don't know why they would want to block all of those tens of millions of gamers out of first off buying a Bethesda game. Um, but also, you know, experiencing Bethesda products and also being part of that community. So I think with the ever, you know, reaching spread of crossplay and how there's Project X Cloud still like the X factor here, for lack of a better <laughs> phrase, and how that figures in, I, I don't see them making any of Bethesda's titles exclusive. Yeah. However, I do realize that. I'm not recognizing in that statement that Bethesda made their game exclusive with PlayStation. So I don't know. I honestly like, I don't want to see Bethesda's games go Xbox exclusive. I don't, but yeah, it, it's their studio now. So it, we'll it's, see. It's hard because yeah, I could obviously a lot of people would be very, very pissed off if these games are true blue, like exclusive, never coming to another system yet again. And plus, you know, missing out on that $70 a copy, you know, that's a huge revenue stream that you would be cutting off. But yeah, it is interesting when you mentioned Deathloop and Ghostwire, which are timed exclusives for the PS5. I feel like a timed exclusive is what I would do. Again, I'm not, you know, I'm not head of Xbox. I don't have all the business knowledge and know-all, but I feel like that would make them, well, fuck. See, the more you dive into it, the more you see the pros and cons of each, right? Yeah, mm -hmm. I think the way that I look at it, if you look at, let's just go back to Phil's statement here, right? So in, in addition to Satya Nadala's statement as well, you know, talking about making the next generation of gaming, you know, this journey and how they want to they want to kind of break down those barriers and have games be available everywhere. Like the statement that Phil just keeps making over and over again is we want to take those walls down those barriers between the platforms we want the gaming community to be more united mm -hmm. they've been really beating that drum for the last six months and i don't see why when they're beating that drum that they would then you know light that drum on fire and throw it away <laughs> <laughs> be like actually fuck this drum fuck this drum <laughs> you know, like, yeah that doesn't make sense to me it makes sense to me that they would use a minecraft strategy and publish this publish bethesda games everywhere yeah it does but then it's like, well, why would you spend $7.5 billion? Like, hmm. Now that is the question that I would really like to know. So for reference, That's so Microsoft bought Mojang, the company who created Minecraft, for $2.5 billion. And that includes, obviously, worldwide rights and merchandise, et cetera, et cetera. I think what's interesting about that number is it's way higher than I anticipated, knowing that Bethesda hasn't really had a lot of big blockbuster hits recently. Their last big hit that went on to do like hundreds of millions in revenue was Skyrim. So I think that we need to look at that and go, hey, is the Elder Scrolls the most valuable property in Bethesda stable? I think 
I would argue, yes, it absolutely is. Fallout is up there. But, I mean, when you look at games like Wolfenstein, Doom, anything from Arcane, because they're a relatively new studio, um, those games are really critically, you know, great games for the most part. But they don't sell, like, tons and tons of units and lots of merch to go with it, right? There's absolutely an audience, but it's not Minecraft levels. Yeah. I wouldn't even... I don't... I, I think even putting Elder Scrolls side by side with Minecraft, it's not even a comparison that Minecraft is a bigger property. So I really am curious, like, what they got for that number. That is so much fucking money. <laughs> uh, we do have another question from Gabe Hewitt. Is Xbox acquiring Bethesda good for the gaming industry? Do you see there being any negative side effects to the acquisition? This is interesting because I feel like we were just talking about... Uh, the Spider-Man exclusivity, right, on PlayStation. And I think that's a much different case. It's something, I think, different than acquiring an entire studio. What I do appreciate is that Xbox is honoring those deals that PlayStation does have, right, um, in terms of the Deathloop and Ghostwire Tokyo. And it, and like I think that's really great. I can't think of anything terrible that comes from this other than if you don't have a, an Xbox in the future. Because, like, remember, this isn't going to affect anything anytime soon. Like these things are going to happen probably in a few years from now. So for the for now, no, I don't see anything super bad about this. What do you think? It's interesting because my views on some of the, you know, conglomerations of what's happening with studios is not reflective of a lot of other people's. Like mm -hmm. I think that it's a good thing for the studios because they have to worry less about if their game's a success and worry more about making something creative that they believe in and that they think is true to their vision. I think we see all the time of game studios closing. How many stories have we counted over the last two years alone of studios that shut down, had to lay off hundreds of people or close their doors permanently? That's a very real thing in video game development. And so when you get a massive backer like Microsoft who has a whole other side of their business that keeps the bank happy, right? You know, I think that what that does is it frees up developers from like the constant fear of, you know, is my studio on the chopping blocks next? Now, obviously there is still concerns about, you know, monopolies and consolidation of power and creative vision. And also big companies routinely do trimming back of their assets and do they do it you know with more care than if the studio was out on its own I feel like that's all up for debate right mm -hmm. but I think that this overall is a very good move I know that there are some people out there that don't like the Disneyification of what's happening you know Disney buying Star Wars Marvel etc but I think that this right now is a good thing I think it's a good thing for gamers I think it's a good thing for Xbox I think Xbox needs something like this to really go into this generation with a punch because we were just talking last week after the PS5 showcase that we're like, what is the win for Xbox and buying an Xbox this holiday? I mean, I'm, I mean, I, <laughs> my points still stand, but now it's like, well, some people might be taking pause going, oh snap, I can play all of Bethesda's library potentially on yeah. Game Pass? God, yeah. that's huge. It is and I huge. think somebody in the chat asked, what is $7.5 billion divided by $15 a month, which is the ultimate subscription? And it's $500 million. They would need to get 500 million <laughs> Game Pass users to, to kind of like balance out that, that paycheck. But 
as Aaron Greenberg said to us, Brittany, Microsoft's not hurting for money. They have so much money and they have 15 million subscribers on Game Pass. And I mean, just think about they have I can't even wrap my head around seven point five billion dollars to buy a studio. You know what I mean? I wish Zombie was in the chat because I would be loving to hear her little hot takes right now. You know, they would be so good. Did you see her thread? No. Did she have a thread? So so Zombie kills who went on and on about Halo and how much Halo reportedly, which was never confirmed yeah. and I don't believe um, how much Microsoft spent on Halo 500 million was the rumor started a thread where she looks at the things that you can buy with billions <laughs> you can buy um, you can buy an island you can buy a couple of private planes oh. you can buy apparently a baseball team you can buy a couple of castles you can take your whole family to outer space Oh, (laughs) so at zombie kills, if you guys want to check out that thread, it's pretty funny. Oh, my gosh. I guess I just I'm still surprised that this happened. Are you are you surprised by this? (sighs) I'm like, I just didn't think that would be the move that Microsoft would make. I think it's a fantastic move and I'm very excited for all parties involved. I'm with you to go back a little bit. I think it's a fantastic thing. I think Microsoft needed a win. This is absolutely a win. Yay, Bethesda. I still hope your game has some bugs in it because I think that's part of your charm. So don't fix all of those with all of your, you know, all your new money. But yeah, um, I I guess, yeah, I just wasn't, I was not expecting it. Yeah, no, me, me neither, Brittany, me neither. And everybody put a good, a good note in the chat. Thank you. I should have clarified that 500 million users number is for a single month um, of Game Pass when I average it out for like one year of Game Pass is a much more manageable 62 million users. So. <laughs> I mean, can we have 62 million subs to our Patreon? Is that too much to ask? Um, that would be incredible. That would be cool. That would be, we could donate would be most awesome. of it. It'd be great. Uh, also, fantastic timing, as someone said in chat. Uh, yeah, right before the pre-orders go live tomorrow. Hello. <laughs> Hello. That's yeah, huge. This, I was so convinced the pre-orders went live this morning, Brittany. I pulled up like three windows <laughs> and started hitting refresh at 8 a.m. And I was like, what's happening? And then I looked at the calendar and I was like, oh, whoops. <laughs> Andrea I wonder to really happen how many people are going to go from an Xbox Series S and now perhaps upgrade to an Xbox Series X for the future that's interesting I don't know because I'm planning to pre-order a Series S knowing that we'll have at least one X in the house Mm -hmm. and that we probably don't need more than one but it'll be interesting to see if the same problem happened with PS5 pre-orders and most people are only able to order the Series X and not the Series S. Like, uh-huh. So I did a little poll, and it seemed like the vast majority of people who were able to secure pre-order got um, the disc edition of the PS5, but not that little weird pie chart with the sliver that was floating around. I don't know where that came from. That's That does not represent the at least the poll that I did. Huh. So, yeah. Yeah. But Brittany... Huh. Um, we do have a couple of other questions that maybe we should look at. All right. Let's look Let at them with our here. eyeballs. I'm looking at them also with my friends, eyeballs. Make sure you're up at the ass crack of dawn tomorrow to pre-order those Xboxes. Some, someone's going to slip. It's going to happen. Just be ready. Have your accounts created. Make sure your credit cards have room on them. Try not to get frauded by your banks. Yeah. Yeah. 
Call your bank and say, I'm going to be making a purchase tomorrow. Very, very big purchase. <laughs> Please do not reject this purchase. That's what happened to Blessing. When he told that story, I was like, no, Blessing, no. Terrible. Scott Rothrock writes in to Dear WGG and says, I think a lot of people might respond to the acquisition from a game perspective, but my first thoughts were about the developers. As a developer, I think it's important to have career options in the industry. This acquisition narrows these options. I'm old enough to remember the Microsoft boasted about its extend, embrace, extinguish philosophy. If Microsoft decides they don't need these studios, what happens to them, their employees, and the fans? How many options are left for developers, designers, producers, directors, artists, sound designers, etc., who want to work on big projects with big vision? It always makes me uneasy to see a big acquisition like this since it represents a serious narrowing of the ecosystem. Yeah, I mean... <laughs> Obviously, I think we know we hear about a lot of studios getting acquired and then something doesn't work out. I mean, you think of like EA is kind of the first company that comes to mind, right? When studios get tossed. And I guess I can understand that that fear of I've never obviously worked for that kind of the industry side of that kind of thing. So for me as a consumer, I just get really excited. I'm like, oh, good for this company. Yay, they're getting acquired. More money, more resources. Let's go. But I guess it is interesting to think about that other side of it. Like, what does that mean? I don't have enough personal experience to really talk about that, so I won't pretend like I like I do. But yeah, I guess I hadn't considered that before. Well, and that's why I put out a call for any developers who had thoughts that were willing to share their thoughts. And, and clearly, Scott wrote in, and that was one of my concerns as well. Like I, mm -hmm. the first thing I thought of was like, you know, while on one hand, as I was mentioning this could be a boon for teams because they have the financial backing of a giant bankroll like Microsoft. But the other hand is they're now part of the giant ecosystem that is Microsoft. And could they become just like a line item on their P&L, which can get crossed off if it's not performing well, right? Yeah. But I feel like that fear exists no matter who is running the company and who has the strings, unless there's like an independently wealthy billionaire that's running your company and doesn't care how much it loses. Yeah. I mean, that's always the tricky side of business too, is you, I think a lot of people, their goal when they start a business, right? It's like, I want to become successful. I want to make what I love. And if I can sell this down the line and have enough financial stability, woohoo, we're good to go. But obviously with that comes risks and that's understandable. You just never know. I mean, I can't ever imagine a universe where Bethesda's IP become irrelevant and they don't do well enough to get striked off the list. So I guess I don't really have the concern so much with Bethesda getting acquired, but I suppose if you look at smaller studios, if you look at like Visceral and EA and what happened there, for example, but um, yeah, hopefully not. Hopefully that doesn't happen. I mean, I think none of, nobody wants nobody wants to talk about like, you know, the the negative downside of this, right? I right. think we all want to be excited like, focus on like this as being like a big, cool, exciting win. And I, that's what I'm going to choose to do. I feel like I don't want to put out into the universe that something bad is going to happen because Microsoft didn't lay down that chunk of change in order to close those studios. Oh, no. Absolutely not. <laughs> and generally speaking, when these kind of deals happen, there are many clauses written in that prevent the acquiring person, company, et cetera, from hemorrhaging assets for a period amount of time, right? Like you don't want to be acquired and then allow the person who's doing the acquiring to go, okay, now you're all fired, right? So these deals absolutely have those productions in place, how long they're in place for, 
we'll never know. I'm sure this deal was an incredibly complicated piece of paperwork. Oh, can you imagine? How many pages do you think this contract was? Oh, I can't even, I can't even write my, probably as much as it cost to buy the damn company. But from what I, <laughs> from what I heard, pages. seven billion pages. The, the talk started in, was it the summer, early summer? And if that's the case, that moved so fucking quickly. I can't even imagine how much time and effort and blood, sweat and tears went into doing this deal. I mean, yeah, selling a business is not an easy thing at all all there's so much that has to go into it and for this big of a company to sell within i'm glad it wasn't me is all i'll say like thanks <laughs> no thanks <sighs> all right well we do have just a couple of other stories that we wanted to talk about but if you guys have additional questions about the xbox story or about any other stories that we're going to be chatting about, of course, you can write them to whatsgoodgames.com slash dear WGG. So, Brittany, Yo. this next story is about their competition. Oh, yeah, it The is. PlayStation 5. Oh, cool. So, we actually were asked to talk about this on Twitter. So, I pulled the little story. This comes from IGN. PS5 boss. Low-spec consoles at a low price haven't produced pleasing results. PlayStation boss Jim Ryan explained Sony's decision to pass over on making a lower-cost, lower-spec console, citing that those kinds of hardware offerings haven't done too well in the past. Quote, First of all, let me say that we respect the judgment and philosophy of our competitors. Obviously, price is an important factor, and we respect the strategy of our competitors. That said, we are completely convinced of our strategy and its implications. One thing I would say is that introducing a low-spec console at a low price range hasn't produced pleasing results in the industry's past. We have also considered such an approach, but I also know that other operators have tried and had problems. Based on our research, it's clear that people who buy a game console want to continue using it for four, five, six, or even seven years. They want to believe that they have bought something that is future-proofed and not going to be outdated in two to three years. So, yeah, we got a, a tweet from someone asking us to talk about this. And the question was, do you think this fuels the fanboy wars? This kind of statement. Absolutely. Of course it does. I mean, even if they hadn't made this statement, the news today is certainly through a bunch of gasoline on the fire. And I think it's interesting knowing that the consoles themselves, the top end ones, are very close in power. You're getting pretty similar power experiences from consoles with Series X and the PlayStation 5. So I, I I think that you can't lose it no matter which one you pick unless there's specific PlayStation exclusives that you want to play. But it looks like most of those are coming to PC now. So if you own a gaming PC, you're really in, in a good position. <laughs> but I do think it's interesting that they made the choice to comment on this right before the Xbox pre-order. I know, isn't that hilarious? Yeah, this broke over the weekend. I thought that, was it Friday or Saturday? I don't know. Either way, hilarious. And Jeff Grubb had an interesting thread on Twitter where he was comparing, you know, look at the Wii versus, well, at pretty much everything else. Look at the PlayStation 2 and the GameCube. GameCube was more powerful, but PlayStation, just PlayStation 2 absolutely, obviously killed it. You know, so it's, it is, it's a weird, it's a weird statement. And kind of going back to what I was saying, like, I never saw Xbox, you know, acquiring Bethesda. Like, cause that just didn't seem like something like with all the marketing and all the PR they've been talking about. That's not something you really expected or Zenimax rather that you would expect to happen. And then, but if you look about Jim Ryan and how PlayStation believes in generations, right? It's all about the generations, but now look at all these games also come into PlayStation 4. It's just kind of this weird world we're in. And I think 
Yeah, I mean, we as consumers and of industry enthusiasts know when you see someone talking and you see an article written, it's all blah, 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 blah. It's all like, you know, lip service, right? It, it is what it is. I think it is definitely something kind of silly to say, but I mean, PlayStation's going to PlayStation and, you know, it's... They have a history of saying silly things from their executives and it getting them into hot water, right? Particularly Jim oh, Ryan has oh, a history oh, of that yeah. as well. So, like, uh, I mean, take it with a grain of salt if yeah. you want. I, I think Nintendo would beg to differ about low-spec consoles at lower prices not being good for the industry. Mm-hmm. I think we all laughed when they introduced the Nintendo 2DS, but, I mean, clearly that did well for oh, them. Yeah. Back at Nintendo, they're like, ha-ha, you guys are laughing at us. Look at all this money we're jumping in. It's like, yes, Nintendo. Yes, sir. Sorry. You're and I know that Nintendo is obviously in their own ecosystem and isn't comparative to what's happening with PlayStation and Xbox, but I think the Xbox Series S is going to be incredibly popular. You know, I was just talking about it with Rihanna yesterday, actually, when she was talking about when she's going to make the jump to buy a 4K TV, and she doesn't know if it's even going to be this year. She's like, well... I don't really need a 4K. I can wait and put it on like my purchases for next year because all of us have budgets that we manage. And if you're going to be spending, mm-hmm. you know, 500 plus dollars, um, probably six or 700 if you're getting an extra controller or you're buying a couple of games this holiday at one of the new boxes, you know, adding a 4K TV to that is, you know, a significant cost for most people. And so she's like, well, why wouldn't I just want the Series S? And I was like, you know. That's something I didn't think about because I upgraded to a 4K when the Xbox One X was released. Mm-hmm. And so I've been in the 4K ecosystem, but there's a lot of people that aren't. You know, I would love to see in the chat who is doing 4K and who is still on 1080p on their TV at home. And if you're planning on upgrading to 4K this fall or if you're planning to wait, because I think that's something that clearly Jim Ryan is not thinking about either. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think that's, it's true. I think 4K is just a marketing buzzword that gets tossed around. And while I know some people definitely can tell the difference, and I'll be—I'll admit I'm one of those people who uh, I look at something and I'm like, "That's 4K." I'd be like, "Oh, I thought it was 720." I'm just really like illiterate when it comes to that kind of stuff. It's fine, but I think a lot of people don't necessarily care about it. Obviously, as we're learning, um, a chat 4K, 4K got a PS4 Pro. It looks like really split. It does. Yeah, it really does. It looks almost 50-50, maybe even like 60-40 leaning that they're currently at 1080 with mm-hmm. some people mentioning that they're planning to upgrade some people saying they're not going to upgrade that's um that's fascinating i would have thought it was more than 50 50 quite honestly yeah huh well yeah but like 1080p looks good it, it does. does it looks real good it looks good i can't tell the difference maybe if i saw something side by side i would be able to but i'm just such an enthusiast that someone's like this supports something bigger and better more shiny and powerful i must have it I don't necessarily know what it does. And maybe I'm part of the problem, Andrea. I just keep throwing I mean, money at shit. You know? We know that you're part of the problem, though. Miss, I must have a collector's edition for every game I buy. <laughs> I've gotten a lot better. <laughs> I love you, Brittany. <laughs> I, I have to start getting better because I'm running out of room. There is a Yakuza Like a Dragon collector's edition that has not been confirmed for the West yet. And I'm really sad about it. But I hope we get it. Be really well, I, I think we all assumed that you would be doing collectors for Yakuza. It's one of your faves. I know, but I can't buy one yet. I guess I could buy one. It's the UK version, I think, or the European version. I could just buy that and pay the shipping and pay so much. Probably costs more than actual collector's edition itself, but I don't care. Gotta have my Ichiban in my house. <laughs> all right. Anyway, 
One more PlayStation 5 little story here. So PS5 hardware images show the size of the biggest game console in modern history via IGN. So ladies and gentlemen, break out those tape measures. So new PS5 images have come our way via Taiwan's National Communications Commission. So according to Sony, the PS5 sits at 15.4 inches tall, 10.24 inches deep, and 4 inches wide. For comparison, the Xbox Series X is 11.85 inches tall, 5.94 inches deep, and 5.94 inches wide. I'm going to try to pull these images up, Brittany. Yeah, pull them up. Uh, so I heard this news, and I, cause I just bought a new entertainment console, which was really stupid, because I should have waited until we got everything. But thankfully, everything will fit in my slots. So I'll be okay. Uh, so yeah, I was a little nervous. Also... If you're curious about the Xbox Series S and X, or maybe it's just one or the other, anyway, you can go on their Twitter account. On the 18th of September, they tweeted Look how out. How fat it is! It's so fat. They tweeted out um, a link to a cut out. You can print it out and cut it out a model size of the what the Xbox is going, how big it's going to be. It's a paper cutout. It's really cute. So if you want to build it and make sure it'll fit in your areas, you can do that. So I know it's on the website too, but it's probably just easier to find it on their Twitter account. But yeah, that's a fat boy. Super fat boy. That is a super fat boy. So do you know where you're going to put your fat boys? I am going to put um, one of my chonky boys in my entertainment center where my PS4 currently is, my PS4 Pro. Um, I have a like a, a dedicated shelf for that. I mean, we've been, Brittany, we've been gamers for a long time. I buy, I buy entertainment centers to accommodate for consoles. I did make one critical flaw with my new entertainment center that we bought when we moved in last fall. Oh. And it has, it's this beautiful entertainment center. It's got this custom wood front. Doesn't have enough slats in the back to let enough heat out. So I have to leave the door open when I'm playing. And I've thought about like poking holes or cutting like smaller holes in the back, but I'm worried about the structural integrity of my. <laughs> entertainment center it is a really nice one and john is in the chat he says we got to drill those holes yeah yeah you do i know right yeah oh <sighs> boy i know john did the emote for that's what she said break it now we honestly haven't seen that that's what she said emote in a while uh, i see a Real few talk. pillows a few pillows in the chat yeah thankfully thankfully that bitch will fit in my shit so i'm happy <laughs> That bitch will fit in my shit. I measured, and I have a few inches of room to wiggle, wiggle room. I'm worried about the ventilation, though. <laughs> We're 12 years old. We can't we help are. ourselves, okay? Just You guys know this. You're here for it. It's fine. <laughs> um, but, yeah, so that's that's a big boy. Um, I, I like that the Xbox is smaller. I like that the Xbox Series S is very small. I... I don't know. My, my don't mind's know. gone. My mind is gone, girl. I can't think of anything other okay, than... Okay, so we're going to move on from the Chonky Boy story. <laughs> <laughs> we only have a little bit of time left in the show, but uh, we did get a couple of more people uh, writing in. And Chad, if you guys have any additional questions for us uh, about what's been going on with this story, please do <laughs> let us know. Um, so Rishi writes in and says, Microsoft has been incredibly aggressive as far as offering many pro consumer options, such as Xbox Game Pass Ultimate, Xbox All Access, an next-gen console for $299, xCloud, robust backwards compatibility, etc. And in the background of all this, Microsoft has been buying studios left and right. 
From the perspective of an average Joe like myself, Microsoft is spending an exorbitant amount of cash in preparation for this generation, far more than Sony, it seems. What do you think is Microsoft's long-term plan? Is it to get people to subscribe to Microsoft and then eventually match Sony as far as first-party titles? These pro-consumer moves can't last all generation, right? Right. No. I feel like once you drop $7.5 billion down, you're done. There's no more acquisitions. <laughs> the, the, money, the money team at Microsoft is like, um, <clears throat> excuse me, Xbox, how much are you spending? Um, oh, no. No more. You're cut off. Your allowance has been spent. They had to do something with that TikTok money, Andrea. They had to spend it on something. And there you go. Yeah, they had all of it like siphoned off. They're like, okay, if the TikTok thing doesn't work out, like, pull the Bethesda trigger. Let's go. <laughs> you know, it's interesting though in that question because I've seen that a lot from people. And I don't know who exactly thinks this. I don't know if it's like Sony fans, you know, being a little upset. But a lot of folks seem to think that Game Pass is going to lessen its, um, what am I trying to say? It's offerings in the sense that they're going to start actually charging people for first party Microsoft titles and that they're not always it's not always going to be this consumer friendly. Have you seen those two? Those little statements? that would be, I feel like an about face that would devastate them. Oh, and yeah. honestly, would probably. I mean, potentially get them in trouble with FCC or mm -hmm. not FCC, FTC, FCC. I always get them uh. mixed up. Um, for, like false ad for like false advertising, right? right? Saying, right. oh, people bought into this. And obviously, it's a monthly subscription. If you decide you don't like their practices, you can cut off your subscription and say, I'm done with you. Mm -hmm. But I don't think that they would do that because clearly they're going to be selling games on other platforms, right? That So that's why I think the exclusivity thing doesn't have legs because if they're going to put Starfield on Xbox Game Pass, then they are going to want to sell it on PlayStation 5 and sell it potentially lol probably never on nintendo switch right <laughs> so they're going to want to keep selling their other games so they can still keep making money so they don't have to always rely on in-game transactions or you know just hoping that people who don't have game pass are going to buy the game outright mm -hmm. yeah kale dull writer hope i said your name right <laughs> said would they raise the price of game pass first yeah i feel like that would make the most sense i think people have just been burned or people are just so wired to think so pessimistically you know that is that a word i think i said that right anyway that uh you know this, this sounds too good to be true this obviously can't continue but i think you know microsoft has been pushing all these consumer friendly things forward and i'm with andrea i think the acquisitions should probably slow down if not holy shit like i'll take part of that that big cash pile because clearly you got a lot of money uh but yeah i think uh i think they'll continue to make pro-consumer moves because they're microsoft and they can do that and I think it's just so vastly different from what we've seen and what we've expected from these large companies that it's hard to kind of wrap our heads around that. I think that's why people are feeling so like, I don't know if I can trust you. You know, and you're like, you're feeding a really, really cute like cat outside and you have like some really nice like fancy feast filet cat food and you're like, you don't want this, you want this. And the cat's like, I don't know. Seems a little too good to be true or something. I mean, my cat always wants it. The cat knows the sound of the fancy feast can. Oh, fancy feast. <laughs> Fucking cats. They're the best, but the worst. Also, I feel like we never talked about, or did we, and I completely forgot, the Fallout New Vegas 2 shenanigans. We did not. We did yeah. not mention that tweet. So, Brittany, please do the honors. So, someone essentially reached out to, was it Obsidian? I can't remember what the tweet is off the top of my head. And was like, does this, yes. have, does this mean Fallout New Vegas 2 confirmed? And then they, quote, retweeted it with a little shrug emoji. 
which I think would be really cool. So I've actually never played Fallout New Vegas, surprising no one. Fallout's never really been my shtick. But for some reason, I think it's because I'm going a little bonkers cooped up in my house. And I've been missing Vegas a lot. I was like, hmm, maybe Fallout New Vegas would be a good way to uh, scratch that itch. So I don't know. Maybe, maybe not. I think I'll play it. I, I don't think you it. will. I think that I we have a major release season mere weeks away. I got weeks, that- girl. I got weeks. You got stuff. You got stuff happening. We've got you know previews happening. We've got other games that we're working on. I I feel like once once like late October hits, like Fallout New Vegas will be a distant memory. Well, I got weeks on weeks on weeks to get it done. Honestly, at this point, I would I would wait <sighs> to see if they do some kind of remaster. And that's but. that was my thought too. Is would there be? I don't know. I'd have to look into it. And Lucigen, yeah, you're right. Baldur's Gate three does come out in nine days. The EA, the early access. Not the actual game. <laughs> yeah, but you're gonna be, play, be playing in early access. Of yes. course, of course. Okay, it's I like, got duh. seven, eight days to play Fallout New Vegas. Let's go. Crickets. Oh, she doesn't believe me, go. friends. It's fine. No, she's not gonna do it. She's not gonna do it. Um, I do want to just briefly um make a mention of a couple of things that we weren't able to get into the show last Friday. So just a couple of quick bullet points. As you guys know, there was a Nintendo Mini Direct that happened on Thursday morning, a partner showcase where they announced a new Monster Hunter game. Monster Hunter Rise was announced, and they also just surprise dropped Ori and the Will of the Wisps on Nintendo Switch, which is a phenomenal announcement. One of my games of the year if you guys remember during our game of the year so far discussion i said that i think it's a dark horse contender obviously when we get to the final end of the year i think or won't make the cut for game of the year but certainly platformer of the year potentially um action game of the year if you guys never played it and you own a nintendo switch you can buy it right now in the eShop, which i think is amazing i am 8-bit is doing the publishing for the physical edition which is really cool they have a really neat collector's edition so i wanted to make mention of that there was also another episode of night city wire for cyberpunk 2077 where we got a lot more in depth about what's happening i honestly didn't read too much about it because at this point brit i kind of want to like not read anymore yeah it was mostly about i mean i'm with you but i watched it except because paris was live streaming it and so he's always so fun to watch so i wanted to watch him paris of gamertag radio but um it was mostly focused on the the gangs and whatnot of the of the game and i think i've mentioned this before i've always had this odd it's kind of like less than us have gotten older but this odd fascination with gangs i just think they're utterly fascinating don't ask me why it's a weird thing within my soul and my being but there's so many different gangs. I mean, seriously, I had books on the Bloods and the Crips growing up. That's what I would read during our quiet reading time huh. in middle school. Unexpected. Oh, yeah. <laughs> you know, there's a, whole, there's a whole level to me, baby girl. Anywho. Yeah, it, was, it looked really interesting, though, with all the different gangs they have and the mechanics of them and how they're going to work and how they hold different territories of Night City. I did see some folks who weren't pleased with some of the stereotypes that were being portrayed in the gangs i'd have to do a little bit more research before i can really talk about like which gangs in particular although i think i have an idea uh but then you know some folks were like well this has been the because i think these gangs were in the tabletop game from back in the day so now they're just taking all of that lore and bringing it but as we've seen some things don't age well you know Correct. And there, this has been an ongoing concern for people with CD Projekt Red, thinking that there was going to be some things that weren't handled properly. 
And when it comes to those types of issues, I think everyone's barometer on that is different and it's a learning process that needs to happen. And hopefully they can get everything squared away, but it just goes back to the idea that, you know, diversity is important, representation matters, and that you can really only get the right amount of opinions on it when you diversify the staff that is making the art, no matter what kind of art that is. So I'm hoping that CDPR is looking at the community response and saying, we hear you, we will address these concerns in the best way that they can. Um, They're also put out a statement that The Witcher 3 is longer than Cyberpunk 2077, that it will be slightly shorter because apparently players complained that The Witcher 3 was too long. So (laughs) Cyberpunk 2077 will be slightly shorter. And when they're talking about slightly shorter, they mean the the main storyline. So obviously there'll be lots of side quests and other activities that you can spend your time doing in uh, Night City itself. But I I thought that that was interesting. That is pretty funny, though. I think that's perfectly fine. I think as long as the story beats are there and they're not overbloated, like that's what you want from this game. I think where cyberpunk is really going to shine, right, is like you're saying, the side quest, the exploration, the world building, immersing yourself in that. And you can take all the time in the world to do all of that stuff. But I think that's I think that's awesome. That's good. That's a good thing. That's a step in the right direction. Yes. Yes. Agreed. And I think that's probably most of the news I, I i was just kind of looking through and see if there was any other big things but as somebody mentioned in the chat we did cover the ps5 pre-orders debacle on the friday episode so if yeah. you guys missed that please do go back and check that out and if you missed our patreon streams which i don't think we mentioned at the top of the show those are also available on your archives at patreon.com slash what's good games after a couple of technical snafus we were able to get among us going and once again I was in the game for 2.5 seconds and I got murdered. <laughs> uh, you played me, by the way. You and Beasley. Maybe? Yeah, yeah. They did the whole thing, friends. We're like, oh, this person's the murderer. Oh, fuck you. It's, you're the murderer. They both were the imposters. Let's just be very real. But I do want to give you a shout out, Andrew, because you finagled some crazy technical thing that we're going to actually make work today during Lights Off, where you can see me, see my gameplay see Andrea and see her gameplay. And this is going to be really great when we're playing this co-op scary game tonight. So there's some technical difficulties. I know you were getting a little like, but you did really good. And it paid off. Thank you. Yeah, it was was really cool what you did. So now we can use that going forward. And that's awesome. Yeah, I'm excited. I'm excited to try it out. And we also were able to green screen Brittany onto the What's Good Game set, which is something we're going to explore potentially as well. But we're just, you know, trying to get creative since we understand that it's probably going to be a while before production gets back to the way that it used to be before COVID. And so we're like, hey, maybe now's the time to start experimenting with some stuff. And we appreciate that our patrons were along for the ride. If you guys want to support everything we do here at What's Good Games and watch us test out some crazy technical things during our monthly streams, patreon.com slash what's good games. You can support us for as little as $2 a month. We also have an ad free tier of the podcast that you can support for $5 a month and lots of other things too. check it out. Do it. Do it. Do it. Yeah. Yeah. There was one last thing I wanted to check in on. Okay. And that was where we are at with our fundraising for our friend Steve Spawn. So Brittany, for people who don't know who Steve is, could you let them know? 
while Steve, I look up this number. Steve Spawn is an incredible human being, and he works. I'm going to pull up his Twitter account. So what's his Twitter account so I can? At Steve in Spawn. Okay. But Spawn spelled not like his last name. Yeah, yeah. No, he's awesome. Oh, wait, and- no. He's just at, that's his Twitch. Oh, he's just, just at Steve Spawn. At Steve Spawn. Okay, yeah. He's the, according to Twitter, Twitter profile, if you don't know, CEO of Able Gamers, which is an incredible, incredible organization. And you should support absolutely everything that they do. I'm going to send his link into the chat right now so you can follow him. He's an incredible human. And for his 40th birthday, he wants to raise $1 million for Able Gamers. And so we are streaming lights off and whatnot to help raise money for this cause and so we are currently at trying to find out where we are at andrea i'm on our i know i'm looking for they they didn't oh okay here we go we have raised our goal is five thousand and we have raised two thousand one hundred and seventy one dollars so far so we're we're making we're doing real good friends yeah so if you want to help us support steve and support steve come check it out it's gonna be great i'll put that link in chat too right now look at that yeah, hashtag spawn together. Another great hashtag, hashtag spawn for good. Other friend of the show, Khalif Adams from Spawn on Me, had a, a fundraiser over the weekend for vote writers, helping people get registered to vote, bringing awareness around the election here in the United States. And they raised over $15,000. Oh. So congratulations to everybody that participated so in that stream as well. So we just want to give a big shout out and think that it's a really fantastic thing that they're doing. Voter registration is incredibly important. If you guys need help with where to find how to register to vote, how you guys can get information about what's in your local government's ballots there's a lot of resources out there so vote writers is one of them ballotpedia is one of them vote save america is one of them there's all kinds of resources if you need help you're running out of time a lot of states have deadlines coming up pretty quickly in the next couple of weeks for voter registration so make a plan make a plan to get your vote in make a plan to drop off your ballot to send your ballot in by mail Make a plan to take time off to vote on election day if that is what you want to do. However you do it, please vote, vote in this vote. election. Vote, 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 vote. Please vote, vote, vote. We should do a stream where it's just us saying vote. Vote, 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 vote. Please vote. It's good for you. It's good for me. It's good for the future of our economy and the country. Um, That was a really great song, Britt. Hey, thanks. I'm very proud of thanks. you. Appreciate it. And on that note, we are going to wrap the show. Thank you, everybody, for joining us for this episode of What's Good Games Live. We will be back later in the week. And don't forget, Lights Off is tonight. We will see you soon.